0: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, opening day style. John Manuel, Ben Badler, joining you here at uh, BaseballAmerica.com and on iTunes. Thanks for the download. The email address is podcast at BaseballAmerica.com. We'll go through those and see if anyone other than William LeCates emailed us this week. Uh, actually, it's Joe LeCates, but the email says William. So, uh, Joe's our steady podcast questioning, uh, poser. Sure. So see if anyone else wants to be a poser uh, this year. and Send those into us at podcast Baseball at BaseballAmerica.com. But Ben, opening week in Major League Baseball, opening week in the minor leagues, opening night in the minor leagues was just uh, last night, Thursday, we we're recording this on a Friday morning. We've been slaving away at opening day rosters here at Baseball America, uh, those will be actually up on our website in a PDF uh, when the day's all over, so you can just have it as a matter of record where everyone started. But all of our web coverage is online at BaseballAmerica.com, it's all free by the way on our blogs, so a lot of daily minor league coverage, it's free every day at BaseballAmerica.com, plus Bob scores, standings, statistics, all there, really your one-stop shop at BaseballAmerica.com. And we're going to be uh, rolling out a lot of new player cards and those kind of things. You're going to get to see our super-registered database kind of uh, on display at our website this year in a lot of ways, uh, with the player cards we're going to be doing. So a lot of new, exciting stuff at BaseballAmerica.com for the 2008 season. But then uh, let's kind of wrap up a little bit of the week that was. I mean, I think... It's uh, it's interesting. Just to open, every opening day has its own little flavor, and opening week, you know, with the major leagues, and we always kind of look at it like who the surprising guys have made the major leagues, the guys who didn't, and who are opening in the minors. A guy like a Cameron Maven, who's on the cover of our next issue, and hit a four hundred seventy five uh, foot home run, apparently, in his first Double A game, according to the uh, Carolina Mudcats release, but. Uh, I mean, to, to me, that's the, the thing that stands out to me the most this week are guys like Maven who didn't make the major leagues, guys like Rico Washington who did, and then kind of guys who were once prospects and are kind of still not quite a hundred percent established in the big leagues, like a Zach Grinky dealing against the Detroit Tigers, or those kind of guys. Those are those are the f- impressions that have stood out to me this week. What are some of the ones that have? Sit out to use, of our Major League or Minor League? Yeah,
1: it's always interesting to see how a Major League team is going to construct this roster, particularly with some of these young guys who right. either they are prospects or they've they lost their, their technical prospect eligibility with a certain number of bats, but maybe they're being still sent down to the Minor Leagues to get a little bit more seasoning. And obviously a lot of Things like options and things like that come into play a lot, too. Right, more than
0: talent comes into play, no doubt.
1: Right, because the teams have to be able to keep their players rather than risking them through waivers, uh, which is why you might see a guy like Andy Marte, for example, yep. on the Cleveland Indians roster, and Josh Barfield, meanwhile, being sent down.
0: Or your, or your platoon in, the, uh, in left field right now for the San Francisco Giants. But that's a whole podcast. We could probably do a whole Giants podcast. Really, we've we've had several uh, that have not been recorded already in the office this year. But Roger Davis and Fred Lewis platooning basically—they're both out of uh, options. Meanwhile, Nate Sheerholtz, who might have more power than anyone on the big league roster right now for the Giants, is in AAA. It's it's a really oddly constructed team. I don't think any of us would have ever thought Brian Bocock uh, or Bocock uh, would be on the uh, on the Giants opening day roster. That's a there, there are many jokes to be made. Uh, there, but uh, you focus more on the American League and some roster construction. And again, guys who surprised, it, who made it, and guys who didn't. Um, they're, they're, they're the American League, one of the ones who jumps out, we were talking about in the mi- just minor league debuts also last night. Uh, you know, Homer Bailey pitches last night in AAA, pitches pretty well. One of the guys he's facing is Adam Lind, uh, who's down in Syracuse for uh, starting his third partial season uh, with, the, with the Syracuse Ball Club. Uh, I'm just surprised that Adam Lind is still in the minor leagues. I never thought he'd be a big league star, but I really thought he would have been established in the major leagues by now, uh, and it hasn't happened then.
1: Yeah, and then, and you look at the the players who the Blue Jays are trotting out there right now, guys like Matt Stairs, Shannon Stewart right now, and Stairs they have to sign to a two-year deal. So you have to think that Lind, you look at his whole minor league track record, I know he struggled last year, but maybe they're trying to get him some more development time this year, but he's not someone who not someone who, who you want to give up on quite yet so he, he still has a, a promising future ahead of him there's still time for him to to grow and develop a guy a guy like him or a guy like Josh Fields who is on the White Sox guy who had 23 home runs last year as a rookie that's the biggest shot and then he me. gets he gets sent back down to triple a you know there's some uh there's some roster clutter there in terms of uh his obstacles in, in terms of getting a, a major league job as a as a starter, and I think that's some of the consideration too that the teams have to keep in mind in terms of just getting guys regular playing time and regular bats.
0: That's the one, but the one you pointed out to me that the thing like Matt Stairs was really good in the major leagues last year. He was a productive player mm-hmm. for Toronto, but when you have J.P. Ricciardi, the general manager there, repeatedly bringing up the disparity, everyone already knows that they don't have the money that Boston and New York have. Um, so we know that. That doesn't have to be brought up or pounded in anybody's head anymore. I think everyone knows Boston and New York have more resources than everyone else, and it's hard to compete with those guys. So when you have to maximize every dollar, if, you, if your scouts and your manager and your coaches think that Adam Lind could approximate the production you're getting from Matt Stairs and you can save that money and put it to use elsewhere on your club, they kind of have to do that. That's the whole point of if you have less revenue, you have to maximize it. It just seems like that's not what they're doing with Adam Lind. Um Again, I don't think he's going to be a big league star, but do I think he could be your first base, left field, DH, left-handed hitting guy in the 6 or 7 or 8 hole? Yeah, I think he could be that. And that's kind of the role Matt Stairs is already playing. So, uh, to me, Shannon Stewart kind of beat out Reed Johnson. They released Reed Johnson, which was a little surprising too. But I, I don't get the Lind part. I really don't get that. And if you're the Blue Jays, you have to maximize your roster and you have to maximize your money. I think they can contend with New York and Boston this year, if they get the breaks uh, and they stay healthy, first and foremost. But to me, uh, Matt Stairs won't be the difference maker. You know, The difference maker might have been an extra guy in your bullpen or an extra starting pitcher. Probably not Carlos Silva at 11 million dollars a year, but it you was know, something like that. So uh, the roster construction is always a little bit odd this time of year. Um, the Giants, we, I briefly touched on them already, Ben. I think we have to talk a little bit more about them because... I'm not sure what the heck's going on over there. They haven't had any breaks early this spring with the injuries, first to Omar Vizquel, then to Kevin Franzen, a young infielder. They were hoping to use either second base or third base. They'd already ruled him out at shortstop. But doesn't there have to be a move made by Brian Sabian to bring in someone who's more ready to be that placeholder at shortstop than Brian Bocock, a guy who had like a sub-600 ops, if I remember correctly, in the Cal League last year, never played above high A, and you're throwing that guy to the Major League Wolves, that really does not seem like the way to maximize your value, both in Brian Bocock, where you're putting him on the 40-man roster three years earlier than he had to be, or
1: for your Major League club. That's the thing It comes down to just planning ahead, too. You know, you can go out and get a guy now to, to fill that void. But really, when you fill out your 40-man roster, you've gotta have, you have to be prepared to have that kind of depth. I, because when you have 40-year-old, or I don't know how old he is now, over than the scale there. Oh, yeah. You know that those kinds of guys just get injured, and they get injured a lot, and, and they're just very injury prone when you get to that age. So you have to have a guy on your depth chart. You um, have to be prepared um, for that. Brian Bocock, who's going <laughs> to be able to step in there, and uh, unfortunately, it looks like the Giants are going to really struggle this year, and especially you know that division. Uh, the other four teams of that division, I mean the. The yeah. Padres have, have one of the smartest front offices in baseball. The Absolutely. Dodgers have a great uh, scouting and player development system. The Rockies just seem to be doing everything well. They're just coming off their World Series. The Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. I mean, look at all the young talent that they have.
0: They had a great year so. last year and went into the division, and then they had a great offseason uh, with the trades they made, and they're uh, they're positioned, uh, you know, they're positioned to be good. Th- those three clubs: the Dodgers. Rockies, Diamondbacks, are really positioned with their young talent to be good, competitive for a long time. The Padres are resourceful. They know how to take advantage of their ballpark. And then there's the Giants. I mean, to me, it really is, another oh, four franchises. And then you just look at the Giants as being, and this is a guy in Brian Sabian who was our executive of the year a few years ago, and deservedly so. The Giants were really good from 97 to 2004, and it wasn't all Barry Bonds. It was, a lot of it was Barry Bonds, but, boy, right now you're looking at them and you're saying not a lot of young talent, not much in the farm system, Albatross-Barry Zito contract, I mean, holy cow, well, as bad as he looks. It really can't be any fun to be a Giants fan right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: I mean, we, we talk about the, the AL East and the, the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Titans there, but you look at the NL West. I mean, it, it's just four of the better teams in, in baseball there in terms of the way those teams are run and the way those teams are, are built for the future and the present right now. So it's, it's difficult for the Giants to be able to, to compete with those four teams right now. But if, if you're a Giants fan and you're looking for some positive notes, obviously the, the low class A team over in Augusta is going to have a very talented infield there. Absolutely. Guys like uh, Angel Villalona and then and the rest of their infield teams. Yeah, Nick really Noonan, Charlie out. Culberson. Exactly. And then the
0: other, to me, uh, one of my personal cheese balls out there for sure is Tim Alderson, the high school right hand out of Arizona. They're second of their two first round picks last year. Uh, they took Madison Bumgarner first, but Alderson second, and Alderson already starting the year out in high class A San Jose. It's exactly for the reasons that we've talked about with Tim Alderson since he burst on the scene. He's polished. He throws the heck out of it. He throws strikes. Two-plus pitches. They're not wild pitches. It's not Tim Lincecum stuff or Matt Kane stuff. 55 or 55- or 60-grade fastball and breaking ball, and it's a little bit of a unique delivery, but he repeats it, throws strikes, he's polished. I really think that guy could be the first high school player from the 07 draft to get to the major leagues, and that's putting a lot on him, but obviously the Giants have already got him started on this fast track going to high class A San Jose. Uh, I'm with you there. He's, he's very impressive. I, I love that guy. It's a Baseball America podcast. He's Ben. been on John. A couple other American League ones that really jump out. Roster surprises. Uh, major and minor league side. Uh, ben, you got to look at Brandon Wood and the Angels, and I think it is red flag time. Last year we had Brandon Wood in our top 100. That's a risk factor guy because of the high strikeout rate. And like you said, if he made more contact... When he does put balls in play, they travel. Even in spring training, he struck out a ton. He still hit three home runs, but it's really disconcerting, I think, to see Brandon Wood with an opportunity staring him right in the face, and he not only doesn't take advantage of it, he really, really struggled. And he's going back to Triple A for a second year. And this guy's, to my mind. Uh, spring training stats don't really matter that much, but here's a case where they do because he had an advan- opportunity and he did not take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, and the and the thing with Brandon Wood is, I mean, it, it's all right if you're a power hitter, and you're going to strike out. That's that just comes with the territory uh, a lot of the times, unless you're Albert Pujols. But you know, with with him, it's just got to the point, and he and he's not, you know, he's not too old yet. He's still he's still in his young twenties, but. You know, you can't strike out this often and, and expect to have a successful major league career and get on and get on base on a decent enough clip to be, able to, to be able to contribute to a major league team. And he's so really they're... in a bad fit organization-wise,
0: too. That's a contact-oriented organization, right. a contact-oriented big league team. They'd rather you be like Howie Kendrick and hit for a really high average. They don't mind that Kendrick doesn't walk a lot. He also doesn't strike out a lot. He has, uh, I, don't, I don't even think Buster only talks about productive outs anymore. But Howie Kendrick is a productive out kind of guy. He will move runners over, that kind of stuff. That's not Brandon Wood. He is a swing and miss, high home run guy. You just, uh, frankly, if, unless you're Vladimir Guerrero, the Angels don't want that kind of guy. Maybe Tor- I mean, they'd rather have Tory Hunter types than this guy, uh, a Brandon Wood type.
1: Yeah, and the, and the thing is with Wood, a lot of it just comes down to pitch recognition with him and just being able to to hit those off speed pitches because he has the bat speed, he hits those fastballs early on in the counts. And you know when you're when you're in low A and high A, you can get away with that. But as you move up and you start facing better pitchers, pitchers with better breaking stuff, yep. you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to succeed or it may take you a a lot longer to succeed in the major leagues. I mean a guy like Jack Hust, who's just a, a great fastball hitter you know, it, it took him a, a long time to be able to have a, a productive uh, major league year like he did last year. So it, it's just really difficult when you can't when you're not when you're not able to adjust to those off speed pitches. That's the, the key stuff because in the major leagues, almost every pitcher has has good off speed stuff, and they have the the extensive the advanced scouting reports. They know your strengths, they know your weaknesses, yep. and They know how to pitch you,
0: and he, he's just getting. It seems like he's just getting fewer mistakes to pound and uh mm-hmm. you know this is a guy to me the, the great thing to watch about brandon wood for me this year will be uh, a if he can kind of rebuild if he rehabilitates some of his value would the angels deal him because they've gotten a pretty long look at him now and to me now they're more likely to deal him now than they were a year or two ago when they probably were a little bit more confident in him i, I would have to imagine that now that mike socia's got an extended look at this guy and now that he's got a first-year general manager and Everything that we hear is that Mike Socha's got a little bit more sway in this organization now than he had before, and he's always had a good amount. that uh, maybe this is a guy who you you try to deal if you're in midseason and you need some help, and when you have John Lackey and Calvin uh, um, Escobar starting off the disabled list, they need some help. Um, to me, their offense did not look too good against another John manga personal cheeseball, Nick Blackburn, who shoved it the other night. Yeah, he did. Uh, Trying hard not to get too fired up about that, but uh I could can, I can talk about it because Matt Eddy's not back here in the podcast nook. Uh, it's, a, it's an official no-Nick Blackburn zone around Matt's uh, cubicle. But uh, I'm fired up about Nick Blackburn's uh, first outing. But I, I got, I'm going to watch Brandon Wood for one. Will he be a guy the angels might deal? And two, if he's in the minor leagues all year, I guarantee you he will be in Beijing for Team USA. He's been on the USA team twice before, the Fall League in 2005, when they qualified for the Olympic qualifier. And then in Cuba in '06. He had a huge home run in that tournament for them. Uh, when he failed to get a sacrifice, bunt down, and then got a home run off of uh, Pedro Luis Lazo, helped the U.S. qualify, beat Cuba, uh, win the qualifying tournament in Havana. So if he's available, I guarantee you that he will be on that roster. Yeah,
1: that as a actually... shortstop
0: or third baseman. Mm-hmm. So he's it's kind of win-win for him. Obviously, he'd rather be in the big leagues. But the, the guys at USA Baseball talk about Brandon Wood as a guy who desperately wanted to play. In the Olympics in Beijing, and didn't think in September of 06 that he'd have a chance. He figured he'd be in the major leagues. Now I got to tell you, there's a glimmer of hope. If this guy's still an angel, I bet you he'll be in Beijing, and that would. So there's a little something extra to watch there for, for Brandon Wood. Uh, there, there are a lot of subplot. There are a lot of players who are going to be watching for that kind of thing this year. Uh, obviously, we are, I intend to. Uh, be passionate about covering the Olympics and covering international baseball and maybe you'll see Vladimir Ballantine there uh, if the Netherlands had qualified did they qualify they did qualify didn't they yes they did So the Netherlands are in maybe Vladimir Ballantine and' playing for the Netherlands in the Olympics he didn't make the uh, roster in Seattle I gotta say I'm not sorry about that nothing against Vladimir Ballantine but I'm a uh, Charlton Jimerson apologist I love Chudini uh, he played at the University of Miami 2001 uh, college series he was MVP there. He's a great story. He was an electric player. He's got huge tools, makeup uh, off the charts for a guy. Academic scholarship to Miami from kind of inner city Oakland, and uh, some uh, broken home kind of deal. Where his sister really was active in helping to raise him, and uh, just a pros pro and a guy that minor league managers and scouts have always talked about how much they love Charlton Jimerson and root for Charlton Jimerson. And now he's actually on opening day roster. I don't think he'd be a productive big league player if he ran him out there every day because the guy swings and misses a lot.
1: Yeah, talk so, about Brandon Wood. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: 180 strikeouts, I think, in his last full season in 2006 where he was an everyday player in the P- PCL. A lot of power and a lot of strikeouts come with that, but I, for one, love seeing Charlton Jimerson on an opening day roster. and I think he's an asset in every way except for on the field. <laughs> so that's a that's a problem. He's got to figure out a way to be an asset on the field. Um, but I, I love seeing that Charlton Jimberson, uh made a big league roster. Uh, it just it, it, He's a good guy, good story. And uh, Rico Washington, I guess, Ben, is the other kind of good story in all this. A uh, guy 10, 11 years in the minor leagues. Number three prospect for the Pirates back in 2000.
1: Before we even did the handbook.
0: That's right. I guess it was 99. It was the year before. Yeah. So after the 99 season, the last year that we just did top 10s and not top 30s. Um, explain to me, though, Ben, how the heck Matt Merton is not on a big league roster. What's... What's going on there? How's Matt Merton in the minor leagues with the I-Cubs and not with the Chicago Cubs?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I had an answer for that, Sean. <laughs> uh, you know, He's a guy who, like, I think it tells you a lot when there's a lot of teams who, who are very smart teams who are looking into acquiring Matt Merton. Yeah. I like think that says something about him, too. Why, you know, Even if you want to trade him for whatever reason, uh, frankly, I think they could put Fukudome in center and just put Merton out there in right. You know he, he's played center field before. Even just to have Merton's bat off the bench, especially in the National League. But why, even if you want to trade a guy, why why you would demote him to AAA and just destroy all, all of his trade value is, is beyond me. And you know Matt Burns not a he's not going to be a superstar, but he can be a productive big leaguer. You know he can hit. He can. He he's can proven he his, can hit.
0: He's proven he can hit.
1: I mean the Red Sox traded him uh, a few years ago to the Cubs. It was it was a. Now it sounds like they might even be trying to get him back now, right? So he's a guy who can be productive in the big leagues. He's not too expensive, so it's so, so why why he's in the minor leagues is is I don't even know.
0: It's really surprising that uh, you know the Brian Roberts trade was rumored for so long uh, with the Orioles and the Cubs, and now it sounds like it might be dead. Um, but with that trade to happen, I mean Matt Merton, clearly got the Cubs don't value. He did three hole for the for the for the uh, for the Orioles, and you could see in the Orioles. If, if you told me the Orioles had were to go forward with Merton Jones and Markakis in their outfield, no. I'd feel pretty good about that for their arbitration years. And those would be the guys in my mind you could build their future offense around. Matt Merton there is a nice complementary guy to a dynamic player like Adam Jones can be in center field, and a proven three hole guy like Nick Markakis and. Again, I'm a Nick Markakis apologist too, but that guy's bad. I mean, he, that guy can play, and he's proven it, and he's produced and gotten better in the midst of a sea of apathetic fans who deserve to be apathetic because the franchise gives them back nothing. Unless the, the Red Sox
1: are in town, in which case they're all Red Sox fans. Well, apparently,
0: Yankee games, all the Yankee Oriole games this year are sold out. Because Yankee games in New York are sold out because the last year in Yankee Stadium is impossible to get tickets. So Yankee fans this year, even more than past years, are uh, going to Baltimore and Tampa and wherever so they can see the Yanks. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if attendance at Yankee games in Toronto spikes this year.
1: Yeah, it's a bit surreal to to see those games on TV.
0: It's, It's really strange. The Baltimore games are just... It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, it, doesn't make, it doesn't compute. So it's Baseball America podcast. He's ben, I'm John. Let's take a couple podcast questions and then touch on last night's game before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, Joe Locates comes through again. Uh, wrote a, a draft blog about injuries. I guess it was actually a minor league blog about uh, injuries of David Price and Desmond Jennings uh, in the Rays system. Are either of those long-term concerns, you think, Ben, from what you've uh, written about uh, with either Desmond Jennings or David Price? I guess with any pitcher – any arm injury is a long-term concern. They're all going to get hurt, but you just never know. And we just saw with Kyle Sleeth this year, uh, this spring, a guy who was a high draft pick. He was the best pitcher, best college pitcher in the 03 draft class. Turned out to be kind of damning with faint praise uh, in retrospect five years later. But uh, here's a guy who had Tommy John surgery and the velocity really never came back, Ben. And the Tigers talk about him as having had great work ethic. His velo just never came back. David Price certainly isn't at that point, but any concerns from you on Price or Jennings having these injuries?
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime you talk about a pitcher having an arm injury, the elbow or the shoulder, uh, it's it's definitely a concern. It sounds like he's only going to miss five weeks. I think the Rays would be wise to, to, vary, to just let him come back and just wait until he's on 100%, because whether he's pitching in May or he's pitching in... Even if even it if I mean just waiting until he's in June, I don't think it's, it sounds like it's not going to take that long. Right. But just wait till he's 100%. Don't, Be cautious. Don't risk anything, because he's already a very good pitcher. You know he's going to fly through that system right. once he's healthy. So, you know, the, a lot of teams don't like to talk about injuries, uh, which makes our job a little more difficult. Right. But, you know... Any any injury is worth noting, especially to a pitcher.
0: Like Mark Melanson is a great example from last night's game. Perfect. Mark Melanson is in the Tampa Yankees roster. He's, in, and he's listed as having been in the game, but it's zero innings, zero pitches thrown, zero batter's face. So naturally our antenna went up. Now I've been in cut, touch with a Yankees official this morning who makes it sound like it was some kind of lineup malfunction, lineup card malfunction as opposed to a Mark Melanson injury. But until Mark will pitches and pitches in some games and throws a month worth of outings, you know, this guy's made seven innings in his pro career. And you've got Yankee bloggers and Yankee, I think, front office people even speculating that this might be a guy who is their Jabba in the second half this year, who comes up and helps their big league bullpen and helps ease the loss of Jabba Chamberlain to the rotation as they're planning on moving Jabba into the rotation in the second half, Ben. How can you make any plans like that when this guy's thrown seven pro innings, and if he got hurt again last night, just all kinds of red flags go up about Mark Melanson, no matter how special his arm was. It doesn't matter if he was throwing 89-91 in their Dominican Instructional League. I just talked to a, another different Yankees instru- guy who was in the Dominican two days ago, and he said, oh, Mark Melanson, special kid, special arm. But until he gets some minor leaguers out on a consistent basis, I can't buy it yet.
1: It's it's it is really tough, especially when the guy when he hasn't pitched at all last year. So you know he's he's not only losing, uh, he's he's not only losing his, his health there. But he's also he's also losing that valuable development time. Absolutely, to be able to to be able to get experience against those batters and be able to understand how to get hitters out, how to set up batters, how to how to work his pitches, how to how to command his pitches, how to throw. And just not only that, but how to throw the breaking ball without fear. Right. Re-injuring the elbow or the shoulder or whatever it is. But to just be able to throw your pitches with confidence and be able to be able to have that developmental time to, to grow as a pitcher. The game is hard
0: enough. Injuries just make it harder. Uh, it's hard to throw 94 miles an hour and put it where you want to and to throw your breaking ball with power and conviction and put it where you want to um, and to come back from the inevitable failure. All that's already hard enough. Without something in the back of your mind telling you, don't let it go, don't go full tilt, you might get hurt again. So injuries, repeated injuries. We're going to watch the Melanson situation for sure, but also Desmond Jennings, who ended last year with a slight knee problem, correct, and now this year it's a back,
1: correct? Yeah. So that's you know, it's it's we don't we don't know how serious it is again because it's it's difficult to get a gauge on that with with injuries a lot of times. That's what yeah. So but but with Jennings, I mean that's that's why that's why it helps to have guys who are. You know, it's obviously at some point you want him to get to the higher levels of the minor leagues, but guys who are higher up in the minor leagues, there's a bit more certainty with them. Uh, So who knows what's going to happen with Jennings' health. But, you know, right now he's out for a little bit, but he's definitely a special player. He's on our minor league player of the year watch list right now. Right, right. So we're we're definitely going to be keeping a close eye on him, see how his. See how his status progresses throughout the
0: season. Other podcast question, and then we'll wrap it up from Scott Merriman in East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, love the podcast. Can you project the order in which, uh, and maybe estimated dates? So I'm going to be asking too much of what some top prospects will be called up this year. Um, basically, Ben, I think the way I'm going to, I was thinking, of answering this question is just guys from our top 100 who we think will get called up first, and, uh, and who might make impact this year. And I think uh, Colby Rasmus is leading off in AAA. Um, Uh, With the the Cardinals, I think it's a matter of time before Colby Rasmus forces his way into the big leagues. Evan Longoria, I think we could look for a mid-May kind of debut for him. I think he's really here in Durham kind of as a cup of tea or until Willie Ibar uh, self-destructs again in Tampa. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Willie Ibar. Um, So those are are two of the guys who I think will be up the fastest. I think the guy who's going to be the biggest problem with holding back sounds like Clayton Kershaw. Because the scouting reports we got on Clayton Kershaw this spring 9598 with a ridiculous curveball and a guy who's ready for the he's ready for his uh, close-up right now but the Dodgers have just got to be careful with how they handle this guy because long term it sounds like he's gonna be special
1: oh absolutely and and with with Kershaw too I mean every, everyone's really excited right now and after what he did in spring training I don't think that comes really as much of a surprise to anyone who saw him pitch uh, in the minor leagues at all, or who or who's, who's seen Kershaw pitch at all, because we all know that his stuff is just just absolutely fantastic. I mean, touching the high nineties from the left side with that that curveball—it's just unbelievable. Um, it's pitch.
0: unbelievable stuff. You watch him. You watch that YouTube clip of him and Sean Casey, and, Vince and even exactly when Vince Scully sounds like he hasn't seen it. I mean, the guy's seen it all, and he's still wild. But first, that's what you love about Vince Scully. That's you just have to love about the beginning of the baseball season. You love things like Jeff Brantley ripping on Encarnacion, and then the guy goes yard. You love that kind of stuff just because uh, the game surprises you. And it's no, it's no surprise that it surprised Jeff Brantley, but it was a surprise to see Clayton Kershaw surprise Vince Scully. That That is what really made that stand out for me.
1: Yeah, and... Yeah, you know, there's, there's certainly there's a the stuff was great I think we're gonna look to see if his command is there this year yep you know, his first season he had great command but you know he was also facing guys in the GCL so the, last year's command was a little bit off so what's the what's see this year if his command is, is there again and, and, and do it against yeah do it against higher level competition right. so that I mean and if he is doing it which would be just absolutely remarkable. Then that's that's not really it's kind of, it's a little bit of a problem for the Dodgers, but in terms of managing his workload, but that's a good problem to have. Absolutely, they, they, theoretically, if if he does show that he has the command this year, they could push him up to the major leagues this year, and he could he could help them sooner.
0: Well, he's clearly in position to do that. They've jumped into Double A in the Southern League. He's a twenty-year-old in the Southern League. He did not. They did, they're obviously trying to take a little pressure off him. They didn't even have him be the opening day starter, James McDonald did, who's quite a prospect in his own right. Mm-hmm. But Clayton Kershaw's a like cut above. And it'll be very interesting to watch. The Dodgers rushed Edwin Jackson. They rushed Greg Miller four or five years ago, three three or four years ago. Those did not work out. They did not work out at all, either for the Dodgers or for those players. I think they're going to have a little bit different tack with Clayton Kershaw, and they really, really want to hold back. And frankly, as special as Kershaw is, that's how good Greg Miller was in 2003. He was that good. He was mid to upper 90s with a hammer, and we haven't heard much from him since except for shoulder injuries and shoulder problems. And um, He was an 18-year-old who got the A, so he was even on a faster track, if you can believe it, than Clayton Kershaw. So definitely got to watch how he's handled. I mean, The Dodgers have tried to learn their lesson, but this is a guy who's going to really challenge them all year. I, I think he's probably the player I'm most excited to try to see in person this year in the minor leagues is Clayton Kershaw. I just want to see it. Anybody who can make Vince Scully... Blush like that and just be that excited! I want to see. So, thanks to Scott and to Joe for the podcast questions. Thanks to Ben for the podcast times. Was oh, just looking forward to it the season. I think we're all a little bit juiced about it. I don't think we're as. I don't think I'm as juiced as you are. I'm too old and two kids waking me up in the middle of the night. I can't quite get that juice anymore unless I'm heavily caffeinated.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, you know, it's always always exciting when we get the, the minor league opening day. Uh, coming around here, there's no no games for us to watch here in Durham or like yeah, yet. But you know, when, when they come around, it's it's always a fun time. It, it's good to see the good to see that you guys, the, the fans too, just get so excited about it too. Because we were doing it all day chat today, and yeah. we're recording this on Friday, and we got a few hundred questions uh, in there for us to answer. So it's it's good to see the uh, the enthusiasm for you guys as well.
0: And the pizza's on its way for us to keep on chatting through the day. So join us at baseballamerica.com. You'll check it all out. Check out the podcast. We'll be back. On Monday with our college podcast and next week with our regularly scheduled podcast. For Ben, I'm John. Thanks so much. Uh, We'll see you next week. So long, everybody.